Hey, what's up, Will? How's it going, Brian? It's going well. I heard uh, you had COVID recently. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Oh, yeah, man. That's ooh, that's probably the most sick I've been in, I'd say, like three years. You know, I had a really bad sore throat, headache, nausea, and it was just basically a little bit of everything, you know, just kind of all at once. How long did it last for you? Like a, a week and a half or so? Yeah, it was a straight week, I'd say, of being almost bedridden. Yeah. You know, you didn't really want to get up. When you'd start feeling better, you would get hit with something else. So yeah. I think I started off with a headache. I started feeling a little bit better. And then this sore throat just came out of nowhere. And it was so bad, like it would actually hurt to uh, swallow at one point. Yeah, that was kind of the same thing for me too. Like I, I would just sleep all day and then I would wake up and think that, oh, I feel a little bit rested now. Let me go do something. And then I go try to do it and five minutes in, <laughs> you know, I just crash yep. again. It's, it was very strange. Yeah. Yeah, I've never had anything like that. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're all better now. Uh, today, we have quite a few things to talk about. Uh, what are all of the topics that we're going to talk about today? Let me check. Yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, Zhu Su, uh, our, our friend um, back from Three Arrows Capital. Uh, so him and Kyle has a new business um, a new business idea that is going to launch soon. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Kraken shutting down their uh, staking service. And we're going to talk about some problems with BUSD, uh, the Binance dollar issued by Paxos. And our other friend, Do Kwan, is looking like he's in a little trouble again. Um, so the SEC today announced that they uh, formally charged Do Kwan and Terraform Labs uh, with various things. Uh, this, this was just released like an hour ago, so we haven't had much time to dig in yet. But uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and take a look at the initial tweets and stuff from the SEC. Um, but first, let's talk about Zusu. So for those who don't know, uh, Will, do you want to give a brief one minute intro as to, you know, well, I don't know if you can encompass it all in one minute, but uh, Suzu, sorry, Zu Su. I, I, I keep on saying <laughs> Suzu. No, Zu yeah. Su. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you're doing that before we started recording. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not good with names, but Zu Su, Kyle Davies, and uh, Three Arrows Capital. So. What happened with them and just like lay out a bit of context for um, what they're doing now. Yeah, so basically, you know, if you haven't kind of followed the Three Arrows Capital saga, you know, they were probably, I'd say, the most profitable. If not uh, up there with like VCs like Paradigm, you know, some of the bigger crypto funds, they're very profitable. Um, you know, I think at one point they had a few billion dollars spread across uh, a bunch of different positions. Um, eventually, though, you know, they I guess they made a lot of money like everyone was like, oh, you know, the fund's going to keep on running. And they had a bad position and it completely wiped them out towards the end of the bull market of 22. So, or excuse me, 21? It was one oh, of no. those years in the past. Yeah. yeah. It all blurs. It, yeah. It, it feels like forever. You know, if you've been in crypto, uh, time is very slow. But yeah, basically, you know, they lost a bunch of customer, uh, customer funds. And yeah, uh, there's been rumors kind of circling and they've been trying to uh, pull together and start a whole new fund, which it looks like now 
uh, they were able to raise more money in light of losing all that initial money. And yeah, we can kind of break down uh, everything that's happened now. Yeah, the biggest thing for me is that they're even allowed to do something like this. Because at some point, you know, after their Three Arrows Capital Fund blew up, you know, there were all these rumors like, oh, they're going to try to flee to this country, to that country. Yeah. And then they stopped. They stopped tweeting and doing all that stuff for quite a long time. You know, pro probably uh, in instructions from a lawyer or something. But um, it's yeah, just think, crazy that they're back. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, <laughs> Suzu, as we call him, uh, he went on a meditation you know oh phase. yeah yeah he went to meditate on this yeah and he was tweeting all these uh philosophical tweets you know going on for a year after blowing up his entire uh fun yes and uh <laughs> little do we know you know this is everything that's been going on in between these philosophical tweets you know yeah. this is what's been brewing so now we kind of mm -hmm. have more of the uh pieces of a pie together well that's kind of like the epitome of the uh, quote-unquote like crypto bro meme where you know you try to construct all of these like grand philosophical ideas around what you're doing but at the end of the day it's like obviously you're just after the money uh but i you know you often see that in crypto and i'm kind of more a fan of the people who don't go on this path of you know trying to justify what they're doing with these like grand ideas like you're not god you're just a person uh there's there's really no need to um you know inflate i guess uh how people view you uh, with all of these like grand ideas and well sir only yeah. perpetual optimists like suzu <laughs> can do that all right that's true <laughs> he is a perpetual optimist according to his twitter bio um but like, I actually don't have a huge problem that they're trying to start a new business. I, I, I think it's just like the context of it. Um, and like, we'll read quickly through uh, his Twitter thread here, uh, which was from last week, where he again goes into like these philosophical ideas of why he's doing this. And I would have much rather seen, you know, just a short tweet, you know, like we, we messed up in the past, we're going to try to redeem ourselves with this new venture. But instead, uh, he goes ahead and says, June, July was total darkness for me. Let's just stop there. Like total darkness, really? You blew up like no, billions no, of dollars worth of money and like, that's not total darkness. Now there's people who are fighting wars right now, like right now, as we speak. There's like yeah, a war my, going spe on. Speaking of that, my brother, he actually just arrived in Iraq oh, uh, yesterday morning. Oh. So. Hope he'll stay safe, Will. Like, I do too. Yeah. It'll be nine months, but I don't think he's going to be near all the action. You know, it's going to be at a hospital. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's like relatively safer, but, you know, of course. Anything can happen in that kind of, of situation. So let's let's hope he's able to stay safe. Um, but yeah, like total darkness uh, for Zhu Su is apparently blowing up billions of dollars and then having the opportunity to raise another few million dollars <laughs> to try it all again. So just for context, that is total darkness. Um, so Kyle and our creditors, after our bet on accelerating crypto adoption, proved fatally wrong uh we were crushed by the collapse of the, of the market and the way our misplaced conviction had contributed to the pain um okay so he he tweets about you know just kind of making himself feel like the victim a bit um even though every single choice of three arrows capital of course was uh was up to them uh so here he says in the end, words and liquidations can only go so far. I was going to say, <laughs> what my favorite part so far. 
We knew what we had to do was build something that takes all the pain lessons and uses it to advance crypto. It was an interesting synchronicity. Is that how synch synchronicity? Sorry. Don't just, you just love that? Yeah. You know, instead like, of I can't even read accountability, <laughs> you like hide behind some excess verbiage to make yourself yeah. sound, you know. <laughs> That's exactly what I mean. It's like can you just say, oh, you know, I I met the CEO of CoinFlex and um we wanted to work together. Yeah. But no, it was an interesting synchronicity that Mark and I reconnected again at exactly that moment. He had a different story. He was a visionary spending years building what he considered to be the ideal combo of CeFi and DeFi. And yeah, he goes on, talks about it a bit more. And then he says the new platform will... Uh, sorry, he said uh, Mark's I ideas somehow magically combine um, his idea for a next level centralized exchange, the lack of a great trading UI post FTX, you know, which he's actually right. Cause like FTX did have a, ironically, like it did have a great experience, which was weird. Isn't, <laughs> well, well, we'll probably get into this, but isn't what he get all this funding for? It's for an exchange like, like FTX. I think it's named similar. Like, yeah, so it was called GTX, and then yeah, GTX, and then there there was the meme like, oh, so now you're done with F. Let's just go to the next letter in the alphabet. Let's call it GTX, and then that was like a meme for a few days, and then they opened. I mean, they changed the name again. Um, but ironically, the purpose of the exchange at launch is to uh, be able to trade the creditor claims from FTX, Voyager, Celsius, and Three Arrows Capital. Um, so I don't know exactly like how that's going to look like, but, uh, he said, we'll start as a marketplace for trading, uh, for claims, trading slash derivatives. Then in the coming months, build out fully decentralized custody clearing, then stocks, FX and innovative products. It's like, whoa, hold up. Like you can't just Sounds randomly scary. say you're building custody clearing stocks, FX, like those take a long time to do and you've even like yet to prove that you're capable of running a business that doesn't blow up yet like you know i think it's a good thing to maybe un under promise and over deliver especially if you don't exactly have the best reputation but to just <laughs> come out and say like oh we're gonna build fully decentralized custody clearing which first of all like implies a completely like new technology because to my knowledge you know this sort of thing doesn't really exist at mainstream scale yet and just to say like just to randomly tweet out oh we're just gonna build out like a fully decentralized custody thing oh and we're also gonna expand to stocks and fx which are highly regulated dot 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 <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> it's just weird to me uh thoughts no it, it's 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 ridiculous too because you're well, we're going to get into the uh, Kraken news, but you're seeing it across the board. Like even some of these more established exchanges like Kraken, Coinbase, they're all under heat. And I actually know someone um, who tried applying for a uh, FINRA license. Mm -hmm. And I think he ended up getting it. But yeah, no, it's just a gruesome and like you said, very time consuming process. So, you know, to make it sound like he's going to get all this stuff quick, you know, that... That's a bit of a pipe dream. Yep. And in the last tweet, he says, it is with humility that we announce the claims waitlist is now open with site UI UX beta testing coming soon uh, at opnx.com. So the exchange is called Open Exchange, um, which, you know, is a cool name, I guess. Uh, and of course, this exchange will have a token because... Obviously, there were no exchanges before tokens existed, you know, things like NASDAQ didn't exist. Uh, so this exchange has to have a token. Um, and the token is going to be called Flex. I don't know too much about it, but... Uh, Flex he does... the funding he just raised after losing oh, all the money. Oh, God, yeah. Like, this is the biggest flex, right? The fact that he can burn $4 billion and then just show up again a few months later. 
and just be like, yeah, hey, hey guys, I got some funds again to, to build a new exchange. And then the first comment here, of course, is Zach Ratio. X- XBT. I yeah. hope the rest of 2023 is even worse for you. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, and, that one from Paul Vigna is funny, too. Oh, which one? Oh, yeah. The, this he, one I, from I think a, he's a reporter. Oh, yeah? Let's see. Yeah. Uh, author. Yeah, it seems like, like an author, reporter kind of guy. And then DB, it has been reported that you have a 5 million claim against 3AC and Kyle's wife has 65 million. Will you be able to trade these on open? <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, he is a perpetual optimist. So it's possible that uh, all of this will work out. Um, but, you know, as someone who's in crypto, I don't trust him. Uh, and I personally won't be using this exchange. And you know, I think it's safe to say that like most people who are aware of what happened probably share like a similar perspective on him. You know, like I don't care about him as a person. Like he could be a nice person. Just the track record is like not the best when it comes to operating, you know, a business that it deals with finance. Just not the best track record. All right. Uh, up next, you know, as Will, you mentioned. Oh, look, it's Gary Gensler. God, his videos are so funny. Oh, did, did you actually watch the whole thing? I think I did watch this one, yeah. But, but it's just like, you don't see this kind of one-on-one, you know, just... Because he's kind of a government official, right? Um. And it's just kind of rare to see these like one-on-one things where he's like the frame is he's talking to the individual investor, you know, um, while looking at a prompt right in front of him. Yeah, undoubtedly. Yeah, teleprompt. I, I I think it would look more official if the background was was wasn't just like a a blank white room, you know, <laughs> like if there yeah. was <laughs> like and, an and, office and in the back. <laughs> And he wasn't like overly emphasizing his uh, body language. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it definitely looks artificial a little bit. Yeah, they need better uh, PR team over at the SEC. I think. Um, all right, Will. So what's up with this Kraken thing? Yeah, hold on. Let me open up the article. All right, yeah. So this was what was it now? A few days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we learned about Kraken, and kind kind of like I was talking earlier. You know, there's a lot of heat just coming across the board, and um, this was well. I guess we haven't really had a whole lot of clarity on staking since it's such a new thing. And, you know, in light of the uh, Do Kwan and some of these bigger events like FTX, I think there's actually been more of a digging into some of this stuff. So we're starting to see a few actions there. And Kraken was the first to kind of get slapped on the staking uh, department. And yeah, they had to settle $30 million uh, and pay it to the Securities and Exchange Commission. Mm hmm on the rationale that it offered unregistered securities and uh, forced them to close their staking as a service platform. So for those who aren't aware, uh, a lot of these exchanges, Kraken, Coinbase, they allow you to hold your crypto on the exchange and you can also earn uh, rewards uh, for keeping your crypto there. So they custody it, and yeah that service is what they were kind of going after here and yeah they had to pay that fine and let's see in the mentioned in the article um i guess there's a blog post from kraken zen they said 
Kraken said it would automatically unstake any assets staked by U.S. clients state, uh, except for staked Ether, which won't be unstaked until after the Ethereum network Shanghai upgrade takes effect. U.S. clients will also be able, uh, unable to stake new assets, including Ether. Non-U.S. clients are unaffected. That's yeah. kind of a weird thing. Like it with, with the FTX stuff. Mm -hmm. Like it seems like there's a huge signal to a lot of this that oh hey you know the the U.S. side you know that this side is it's fine, um, but you know none of none of the non-U.S. stuff is ever really, I guess what what's what's in question. Yeah, I I think when it comes to like financial products like these uh the u.s does hold the number one spot i would say you know if 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 you think about the stock market uh or if you think about the fx markets you know like on on the stock market the um the largest markets are on the u.s stock markets right like you you have all of the big stocks from the big tech companies you know these huge companies and you know as someone who's living in japan one thing that people uh, often want to do here is to find a way to get exposure specifically to the U.S. stock market, uh, which kind of signals that, you know, they're sort of the leader. It's what uh, everyone kind of looks to as a standard, I think. So I think part, part of that um, is influenced by uh, the fact that, you know, the U.S. is, is number one in that regard. Um, but like specifically for this staking thing, I, I actually don't think the SEC is being unreasonable here, because, because if you look here, you know, it, it says they were offering um, a staking service on Ethereum proof of stake, you know, and if you do run a node on Ethereum, uh, you know, the the return on investment, you know, might typically be between like five to eight percent. They were advertising 20% for Ethereum staking. So yeah. you have to ask, like, that means they weren't just, you know, providing staking as a service. There's more, you know, there's some stuff in the background that they were also doing. Uh, and this is not confirmed, but um, I was reading somewhere that, like, the way that Kraken structured their Ethereum proof of stake back end um you know whether it's uh putting more eth um onto one wallet that's associated with a node to increase you know the the chance that that node produces a block like they were engaging reportedly in in stuff like that to uh basically increase the chance of producing a block which directly would influence how much money that they could make from it, right? Uh, and then passing on that additional yield um, to the client, you know? So that's how you're, you're able to, uh, that's how you're able to advertise a 20% yield that everyone else doing Ethereum proof of stake, um, you know, they're earning like five to 8% if they run their own node. So, I think the issue here is like you can't advertise that as a staking service because it's not only staking. Um, and I think the difference with what Kraken did and perhaps what Coinbase is doing, because um, Coinbase also does offer uh, Ethereum proof of stake, um, I don't think Coinbase does this like additional 20% yield thing. Yeah, no, you're right about that. The rewards for most of the assets on there, they're pretty much what the actual network yeah. reward is. Yeah. So that is staking as a service. Yeah. Yeah. What Kraken was, was you stake to gain entry into an investment scheme that earns you more than you would have earned if you staked by yourself. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Kraken's not the only one who does this. I know Binance yeah. did that yeah. for a few projects. Yeah. Yeah, so like if you dig into it, like I I know we always like to say like, oh, Gary Gensler, SEC bad. Um, 
But in this particular situation, it's like, oh yeah, that actually makes complete sense. Like if they're offering like 12 to 13% more yield, uh, that's not staking as a service. So, um, you know, I, I think the, I think what happened with Kraken uh, was reasonable. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to start offering it again soon. Uh, maybe they'll revamp the program or something. Maybe they won't. But, um, yeah, that's the Kraken news. And, of course, afterward, you have Jesse Powell, uh, co-founder and CEO of Kraken, just, like, making a joke out of the whole situation, which is interesting because... The SEC actually made sense in this case. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he's pulling a uh, Winklevoss twin. Yeah, Cameron. Exactly. All right, so um, yeah, this is all SEC stuff. Oh, so you posted this tweet uh, in our show notes. Will do. Do you want to just, you know, quickly go over it? I, I do have some thoughts on this as well, but um, yeah, no, yeah. I'm I'm curious what you have to say, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of hinting at it earlier uh, when I was talking about how there was, I guess, so little clarity on what staking is to, you know, not only the mainstream audience but um, regulatory, you know, wise because it's yeah. such a new thing. There hasn't really been a whole lot of i guess really just clarity on that end with rewards you know how you should kind of tax that yeah there is uh one group who's doing a lot of really good work there uh proof of stake alliance but time and time again you know and i think the kraken thing it, it really kind of brings this point you know back up um there just needs to be more you know clarity with okay you know how do you um tax these things mm -hmm. um you know what that reward structure or uh tax structure should look like and uh kind of getting getting more beyond you know just this magical internet money yeah and uh yeah treating it more as a actual financial asset yeah i completely agree with that and i would also add that like a lot of the regulatory uncertainty i i feel like is also self-inflicted um i feel like a lot of people in crypto industry use the word staking as this like vague term that implies you know you lock up your tokens and you get something uh which has been extremely misused uh if if you look at um okay so first of all proof of stake implies that something needs to be at stake right because like if something was not at stake and on proof of stake networks it makes sense to call it proof of stake because like the security of the network is at stake you know so by by uh by locking up your tokens and delegating you know that that value to um teams who run nodes you're helping to secure the network so the network is at stake so that's how you prove that you know there's a stake. Uh, but we've seen this word like staking exported into other aspects of the industry. Like if you see a lot of the NFT projects now, um, where you know they'll they'll like do like a bunch of art and then they'll just like make up this token that is associated with their project. And they'll do some like stupid stuff like, oh, if you either stake our NFT or if you stake our token, then you know you get I don't know five percent of the resales or something. Like when you start doing stuff like that, but it's like wait, but there's nothing at stake here. So why are you calling it staking? It's like you just made up this token and you're saying, um, just lock it up and we'll give you something. Like that's not staking. There's there's nothing at stake. So exactly. I <laughs> so I feel like that is also contributing to um how government like views 
the the space as a whole, you know, because maybe at first they thought like, oh, oh, staking is like what Ethereum is doing, like the actual staking. But then they start to like hear about these other projects that are also using the term staking. And and I and I think like things have gone far enough where that term is not going to go away. Like, um, you know, now the other thing is bonding, right? Like there's staking and there's bonding. Um, and just people are just using these two terms to uh, essentially like capture the attention of um, people in their communities who might not know better. You know, like a, a lot of things that come up in the project that I do with my brother, uh, we have an NFT project we often have people ask about staking, like, oh, are you going to make a token and like have staking? And then my response is always just like, no. Why? There's, there's nothing at stake. We're an art project. Right? It's just, it's, it's so dumb. And uh, I, I, do, I do like this tweet from um, Edward here, just talking about like how the term staking has changed uh, since, since 2018. Back then, you know, no one really was like hyped about staking, and now it's just like people expect staking to be a thing for every project, even though there might be no purpose to it. You know, so um, those are my thoughts on staking. Yeah, not, <clears throat> I definitely agree with you, Brian. It's definitely kind of turned more into a buzzword. And like Edward was saying, you know, I think people are missing kind of the act that, you know, where the rewards come from, it comes from securing a network. Yeah. And, you know, there just needs to be kind of more of a uh, clarity around trading those um, rewards as yeah. uh, financial assets. Yeah. Like it makes sense on proof of stake networks because like, um, on 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 some networks, you know the 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 currency or you know the the asset that is used to to pay stakers is sourced from is partly sourced from the transaction fees of the network, right? So like there's actually value being generated and dispersed to people, but in the case of like NFT projects where you know it's that value is basically money from other people in the community. <laughs> so it, it's just like a way to redistribute um, the money from your fellow community members, which is, which just like seems super messed up to me, but Ponzi-esque. Uh, it is Ponzi-esque and I wish more people uh, knew what it, the model actually was. <laughs> um, Okay, next up we have uh, Binance running into some trouble again. And as we will explain in a bit, this is actually very similar to the Kraken situation. And, you know, again, we all like to just say the government is bad, but uh, I, I did take a like deeper look into this and um, I think it actually makes sense. So... Uh, Will, did you have a chance to look through this or uh, did you want me to to talk through this one? Uh, you can talk through this one. The article I have on my screen is actually under a paywall. So Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I shared yeah. the Bloomberg one and I didn't realize. But yeah, there's a, another Cointelegraph one here. But um, basically what happened was the... Uh, what was it? So it says, on February 12th, news broke that the U.S. Securities, Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, so the SEC again, gave notice of potential enforcement action against Paxos. Um, it alleged the stablecoin is an unregistered security, an assertion that Paxos denies. Uh, and later on, um, on February 13th, this was the next day, uh, the New York Department of Financial Services uh, received a tip-off, reportedly, from Circle. So Circle is a stablecoin as well. Uh, so they, uh, they maintain the USDC, 
stablecoin, which I think we can all agree is the best stablecoin. Because <laughs> uh, USDC they, good. Yeah, yeah. USDC good, everything else not good, at, at least for now. Um, but what about Tether? Oh, Tether is great too, you know. Um, I, I, I actually, like, they've proven themselves, I feel like. Cause they, I was, I was going to say, you know, because being in crypto, everyone's had that, oh, you know, when Tether implodes, yeah, yeah. it's going to go bad. They never uh, die. And I don't, I'm, no. I'm convinced they're not going to die. Yeah, but um, from a regulatory perspective, like USDC, of course, is much more stringent because, right. Um, and that's why, you know, I like USDC, but I'm also not a subscriber to like the Tether is going to implode thing. Because they've just had so many chances to implode, and they haven't. Uh, but you know, it could be a matter of time. Uh, we'll see, though. Uh, but with BUSD here, Binance Dollar. Uh, so just just to clar clarify how Binance Dollar works. Um, so BUSD is issued on Ethereum. So it's issued as an ERC twenty token, uh, which a lot of people don't know. Um, so. You would think it'd be on the BNB chain. Right. So Paxos is a licensed stablecoin issuer. Uh, they also do Paxos Gold, uh, which, you know, they, they custody gold. And then they issue, uh, they issue tokens on Ethereum as well. That basically um, represents, you know, the tokenized gold. Uh, so they also do the same thing for stablecoins. They hold cash and... Uh, short-term treasuries and um, they have monthly like audits and stuff like that so it's like very above board um, I think it's a solid operation and what Binance Dollar is it's just they're using their brand and Paxos's back end and just like it's like a white label thing um, so BUSD on Ethereum actually like is just Paxos using Binance's brand and it's completely fine where it got weird was um there's this other thing called binance peg busd <laughs> okay so this is where it got weird so binance uh because you know paxos uh paxos oh, sorry because binance usd uh is only issued on erc20 on Ethereum, um, they want a way for it to be usable on other chains, you know. So, namely, um, the Binance Smart Chain. Uh, so, I think they renamed it to BNB Smart Chain, actually. So, um, they want it to be usable on the BNB Smart Chain, uh, which is which can be like tough because BUSD is only issued on ERC twenty. So to address that, uh, Binance actually has this program uh, that they run and operate called Binance Peg Tokens. So it's basically like Binance custodies the ERC20 BUSD, and they they custody that, and then they mint, um, you know, the corresponding amount of Binance Peg BUSD on the BNB smart chain. So. That's where it gets weird. And they actually do this for a lot of assets. Uh, like if you search. So all, all of the wrapped assets that are like on the BNB smart chain, those are all Binance peg. Uh, so there's like Binance peg USDC. So in that case, it would be, you know, Binance locks up some USDC and mints it on the BNB smart chain. Um, and then there's like Binance Peg Bitcoin, there's Binance Peg ETH. Um, so all of these are custodied by Binance and they do the minting. Uh, so Circle um, tipped off the New York Department of Financial Services that this was going on. Because uh, I think Circle also realizes there's nothing wrong with what Paxos is doing. But what Binance is effectively doing is custodying funds and then minting stablecoins on another blockchain. And Binance is not um, 
regulated to issue stable coins. You know, and they can, you know, they they can like kind of walk around the issue and say, well, it's like a it, it's a wrapped token. You know, it's not a stable coin. It's a wrapped token uh, that just happens to maintain its peg at one dollar always, <laughs> but it's not a stable coin. Like, of course, they can present it like that, but uh, the reality is like. Sort of is a stable coin, um, and it also uses the BUSD brand name, right? Like it, like most most people know BUSD as the Binance Peg BUSD on Binance. Like they 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 think that's the real BUSD. You know, I I, I would say most people don't know that BUSD is actually issued on Ethereum. Um, and I actually didn't even know that un until I looked into it. Like I just assumed this like Binance Peg B BUSD like was the real thing. So like Circle was not happy with that. Um, and I guess they like tipped off the NYDFS and you know you it of course could be because of competition. Because uh, Circle is directly competing with Paxos and BUSD, uh, but you know at the same time I think it also makes sense that um, that this BUSD thing had to stop. Uh, yeah, so that's like that's what happened, and of course after that you know CZ jumped on a Twitter space to try to handle uh, the fire. <laughs> yeah address the fallout but and then he started making comments like oh we're gonna support decentralized stable coins from now on you know uh, we can't rely on um, stable coins that can be regulated etc but it's like bro like your company is issuing stable coins when they're not supposed to so that's just the end of the story of what happened it would have been a different story, let's say, if Binance actually worked with Paxos to issue native BUSD on Binance Smart Chain. That's what Circle yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, that, that makes sense. It seems like the main issue is the fact that they're trying to extend out of the native um, network, which, yeah. you know, in this case is Ethereum. They're trying to extend to other chains. Yeah, I don't even know why they did it this way cuz like I like Binance has so much money that I feel like they could have approached Paxos and be like, you know, our technology team will work with your team to um implement native minting on Binance Smart Chain. And it would be super easy because you know, Ethereum and BNB Smart Chain are both using the Ethereum virtual machine so it's just like a matter of changing the network id of where to mint the tokens like it, it's not like a completely different technology and circle does this as well um so they they support usdc on ethereum avalanche uh solana polygon flow like there's there's so many blockchains that that they support and their support is native USDC on each blockchain. So there's none of this like wrapping uh, weird stuff that is happening. So it's it, it just like kind of kills me that Binance like didn't see this coming because native is always better. Very weird. Yeah, like, like you said too, they have what 60 billion uh in total reserves so <laughs> <laughs> like but money is not an issue you know they yeah. just don't need to be creating a peg of you know their stable coin yeah and and it's just like why wouldn't you go native for something as critical as a stable coin because like every single time there's a bridge or there's like a custodian um so they Every time there's like an additional layer involved, it's just a security thing, you know. 
Like, there's no reason why that needs to be. So, yeah, and especially yeah. after FTX, you know, all eyes are on virtually everything happening within crypto. Yeah. So it's it's not the time to be doing any of that. Yeah. So there's like been a lot of doom and gloom lately with these, uh, with these like shutdowns and stuff. But you know, a lot of it seems reasonable to me and long term i think these things are needed to remove the sketchiness uh, from the crypto space um so but bitcoin actually you know bitcoin and the crypto space as a whole basically like, like pumped through all of this news which is interesting <laughs> like bitcoin was up eight percent the other day could be a sign it's bull market could be. The, should the, uh, the should we buy back is, in? <laughs> the bad news is no longer tanking the price. Yeah. Let's let's all hope for that. Um, yeah. Well, that that probably be another podcast in of itself. Yeah. You know, the uh, crystal ball predictions. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, that's all the news that um, we have for today. Uh, to close out, uh, Will, I saw you just put like Super Bowl question mark in our show notes. Did you? Oh, yeah. Did, no, did, I was... did you watch the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was going to see what you thought about it too. I, I don't know if you kept up with it, but I knew a lot of people were really upset with Rihanna's halftime show. And, you know, I, I can understand, you know, a, a kid watching that, you know, you yeah. don't really want a kid to see that, but. She was pregnant and she wasn't doing a whole lot. So I, I really don't understand where, you know, all the hate kind of came there. But yeah, I, I, I did. It, it was it was interesting to have them pick her because she hasn't released like any music in, say, five years or so. Yeah. So that that kind of came by surprise. But yeah, people were heated on uh, Twitter and everywhere. Was it just about like her outfit and stuff and like the the red uh well yeah it, it was that but it was also you know comments on you know uh sexuality you know like you know she's promoting uh i don't know i mean anytime somebody a, a female wears a dress you know you're gonna have somebody saying you know this is our rated content <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i i think it was more so a little bit of that but yeah like when you saw her dance on the stage, yeah. she could like barely move and you could tell that she was pregnant. Yeah. So I, I, I don't really understand why everyone was so heated. Yeah, I I didn't pay much attention to it. Um I saw some tweets about it and I saw some pictures, but I didn't see I didn't watch like the video, but uh I think some like People on my timeline were just like talking about Satan and stuff because, um, like a few weeks ago, you know, Sam Smith, uh, he did this thing at the Grammys where, you know, he was dressed in all red and like, uh, basically the, the music, I mean, basically the, the visuals of the performance was kind of indicating that he's supposed to be Satan or something. Um, and, then people are like, oh, she's dressed in red too for the Super Bowl. And there's just this whole conspiracy thing that like the music industry is just like all Satanist and stuff. Um, there's like an actual conspiracy, which I don't know. I don't really care. Like, yeah, the, the Illuminati, <laughs> all the yeah. most famous artists, they're all part of some cult. Right. But That's at the same time, power. yeah, but at the same time, it's like, if I knew that this conspiracy is a thing and I was working for these artists, you know, I would say, hey, if we dress in all red, we'll get so much buzz. So, <laughs> so like that could also, that could also be it. You know, if, if you know that there are people out there who are convinced, you know, that you're a Satanist or something. And so, yeah, even well, if you're not, just do it and then you'll get like so much buzz and so many clicks and so many views. Yeah. And I guess the weekend, you know, he had the the Super Bowl performance, was it the year before? 
like last year he uh, was also dressed yeah. in all red right yeah so i don't know like I, I feel like it's more of a um you know fashion point you know because red you know you're you're drawn more to a brighter color mm-hmm. like you know somebody well i mean you, you've seen it like even you know on linkedin or something you know somebody will usually have like a bright background because it shows their face more clearly like you're instantly gravitated to that yeah but yeah no the the satanic stuff i mean that's that's a lot of internet dwellers you know right. on twitter who have too much time on their hands yeah because because if you think about it if she just wore like a normal thing people wouldn't talk about it like those things have to be extreme because Otherwise, people are just not going to talk about it. And if no one talks about it, they're not going to get a return on their investment, you know, for putting all of that up at the Super Bowl. Like, someone's paying for it. There has to be some return on that. Right. It, it, it was pretty crazy to see the Chiefs come back towards the end, though, the second quarter. Oh, I don't even know who was playing. <laughs> yeah, it was the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs, and the Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Or plan. So the, the the Chiefs won? Yeah. You know, the Chiefs won. Quarterback is like one of the best players right now, Patrick Mahomes. Oh. Not but. Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Our Tom, favorite Tom. FTX ambassador. <laughs> Tom's probably a little down. I, I, I think he actually it's official. I think he's been divorced with his wife, Giselle. Oh really? Yeah. No, that, that man's probably not having a good year. Was it because of FTX? Honestly, it happened around the same time, I think. Wow. Like, tor- towards the end of the uh, fallout. Interesting. <laughs> that, that might be worth some additional digging, but... Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we'll be back, uh, hopefully, next week uh, for another episode. Um, so, stay safe, and thank you for listening. Thank you. <laughs>